I would say one criticism that I would have is that the show doesn't completely shake off the the burden of being a video game adaptation in that some of the characters do things or they go places that maybe in another show they wouldn't just because gameplay wise it would make sense to make it more exciting yeah so it's kind of like oh let's go to the first floor of this spooky building and you're kind of like (laughs) i mean realistically you'd climb over the rubble or something you know that there are easier ways around but because you've got to go through all of this like you know gameplay-esque maze-like settings to make it exciting but there were a few things that happened in, in there um i would say there's also a, a specific scene kind of near the end there is a montage which narratively very harrowing but i did end up thinking to myself how the hell are you not dead Mm. Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly what part you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just like you know the overpoweredness of a character, where it's like, yeah, in a game, you can kind of get away with that because that's part of the gameplay where you have to defeat or you know shoot or kill the characters. But he was so outnumbered in this scene. <laughs> I just thought, in a game, sure, because you believe it because you're the one that makes it happen. In a TV show. You have to suspend your your disbelief a little bit that that this fifty odd year old dude would get out of this situation after being significantly injured, <laughs> like <laughs> an episode or two before, and still kind of get out of that scenario in the way that he does. That would be my only criticism: is that it's occasionally there is, you know, gameplay moments that don't quite adapt in the way that I would have liked. But considering that that is my only criticism. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's adapted from a from a video game. There's not that much you can do about that. Stuff has to happen for it to be interesting. Um, you know, that, that's that's probably my only complaint. Yeah, my only real... I mean, it, 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 it's so minor, it feels, you know, strange to call it a complaint. But, you know, there were some episodes that adhere so strictly to sections of the game, which I think is right in those cases, because, you know, episode eight, episode nine... Um, I think episode episode six. Yeah, I think episode six as well. Um, and episode two. There's there's a few episodes that because those sections of the game are so perfect and how well constructed from a story perspective they are, they adapt them very closely, which is which is great and totally fine. There are some other sections where you know they have cold opens that sort of add you know new lore and sort of do world building and expand the universe a little bit more and some entire episodes which do that too and i almost feel like the show towards the end lost track of that a little bit i would have liked to have seen it a little bit more but then again we did get that really cool um cold open in the the beginning of the ninth episode which added a really great emotional beat which was brought back with you know the character of marlene later Interesting bit you know of trivia. Let's, let's just go. Let's go straight into spoilers now, because mm-hmm. I feel like if we're just talking about like random episode numbers and bits that we can't fully go into detail about. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about what your uh, criticism of the show was again, but you can go into more specifics now. Yeah. So early on, there's some really cool cold opens. There's um, I think it's set in uh, Malaysia or some some country around that region i think it's in it's the beginning of episode two or th- i think it's episode two or three and it's a female scientist who's brought in to say you know to try and 
say, so, you know, is there any way we can stop this cordyceps virus from progressing and, uh, you know, curtail this before it gets out of hand? And she says, no, you know, I've done my tests. There is absolutely no way we can stop this. You know, the, the best thing we can do is, you know, either, it, you know, is to exterminate anyone who currently has this. And it's really dark and for, you know, or foreboding. And, you you know, you also have the, the cold open at the beginning of the ninth episode where you see how Ellie is born and you learn why she's immune. And then that, and also how Marlene from the Fireflies came to, you know, have possession of Ellie and how she has, you know, a certain degree of attachment to her, which then makes the decision to potentially kill Ellie to find a cure, you know, operate on her brain later in the ninth episode. Um, that much more powerful, you know, Marlene goes, you know, I promised to keep to her mother to keep her safe. And, you know, now I have to make this awful decision. And, you know, I know you, I know this is going to tear you apart, Joel, but, you know, how do you think I feel about this? So though that stuff was really, really cool. And I thought some very kind of interesting expansions to, you know, connect some dots that maybe hadn't necessarily been connected in the game. And I think maybe towards like the you know, seventh and eighth episode, maybe towards the middle as well, you know, there wasn't as much of that. I, I would have just liked to have potentially seen more of it because I thought those expansions were really interesting. Um, interesting bit of trivia, actually. Um, Ellie's mother is played by Ashley Johnson. Um, in the, the opening scene of the ninth episode, she's actually the original actress for Ellie, in case you didn't know, Chloe. Oh, really? I didn't know um, that. Yeah, and her exact speaking voice is how Ellie sounds in the game. Also, in the eighth episode, where you have the, in the snow, where you have the very sort of twisted, you know, barbaric, you know, community, in and in I think it's Wyoming, in that snow-covered village, you know, you have David, and then you have David's sort of right-hand guy. David's right-hand guy, um, with sort of the, the beard and the, the beanie hat, is, um, is Troy Baker, who plays Joel in the original game. So you had... I got those little cameos. Yeah, gets and they... brutally murdered by <laughs> yeah, later on. a butcher's knife. <laughs> yeah, what a way to what a way to go. Butcher's knife to the neck. Well, that episode, but, um... I I um, watched that today as well, and oh oh my god, that I think that's actually one of the best acting performances, villain wise, for the the preacher, the main guy. I've seen because I I actually didn't see it coming and it chilled me to my core (laughs) when that kind of like cannibalism reveal was was made yeah he's he's got such just you know he's so kind of charming and charismatic at the start and you know seemingly good-hearted but then he's got this you know underlying you know really slimy oh you know just Uh, and it's like you can kind of understand a really twisted horrible way you can kind of understand where he's coming from which makes it even yeah. more you know disgusting you're almost like disgusted with yourself for siding with it it's yeah it's it's honest it's really grim it's, yeah. it's probably one of the most intense episodes i'd say episode eight out of the lot it really mm, did like yeah it reminded me of an there's a an old episode of torchwood uh actually the doctor who spin-off where they go they find a um a couple in like the Welsh valleys or something that are actually and they think that they're going to you know solve alien problems because it's Torchwood and it turns out that the two of them are just cannibals and it is I remember that episode really being 
horrible to watch because you know you think it's like supernatural sci-fi where there's like a level of detachment and then it's revealed that they're cannibals it's absolutely grim uh really horrible episode but yeah that that one that episode the last of us episode eight i think really got to me more than yeah. some of the others and especially um i mean in the in the game the attack that you know ellie does on you know david is i mean is brutal i mean she essentially kills him in the same way but it's quite it's more restrained. She doesn't slash him, you know, I think she slashes him maybe eight to ten times in the game, which is still a lot, and then Joel breaks into the building and pulls her off him. Whereas in the mm-hmm. game, the building is literally burning and she, you know, she stabs him in the face, you know, 20, 20 something times. And she's, you know, these, you know, bone chilling screams, you know, trauma, you know, as she's trying to, you know, defend herself for, you know, after his attempt to assault her. And it's yeah, I think I thought that was a they they went harder in on that than they do in the game, and I thought, well, you know, whereas the violence in the the show is generally more restrained than it is in the game, I actually thought that was a really well chosen moment to go more graphic with it. And you know, Bella Ramsey's performance, you know, was incredible in that scene, and then just you know, heartbreaking when Joel just grabs her at the end and comforts her when she runs outside. So the two the two main spoilery bits I I wanted to you know just discuss with you were well, one your thoughts on i mean obviously the, the 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 bill and frank episode which just melted all our hearts and also your your general feelings on on the ending i mean i know we've talked talked about you know in the non-spoilery section we spoke about the the overpoweredness of joel in that section and i and i do kind of get it but what what i thought worked really well about that sequence as opposed to what happens in the game, because it's a very intense action sequence within the game. It's very kind of explosive. But the choice to uh, frame, you know, Joel's attack and rampage as, you know, as so cold and calculating and ruthless, you know, the, the exacting nature of his movement, the, the swift and unfeeling speed with which he dispatches everyone, and also that decision to, like, lower the sort of the main sound in the score and, and raise this you know achingly sad string reprise of the main theme um in the score i thought it really like laid bare the devastation that joel causes in that scene and it and it shows it for the massacre it actually is rather than like a gung-ho shootout and of course you can kind of see where joel's coming from but it is just it, it, it's painful because of the you know the wider social implications it has in him saving ellie but you know and also the kind of the the fact that he betrays her trust as well. I was kind of just wondering what your your thoughts on that. Because everyone sort of watches it the first time and goes, No, Joel, what are you doing? Stop. <laughs> I definitely had those thoughts. I I had conflicting feelings about it initially because I did wonder, has the character development gone far enough for me to believe that he would do this at this point? And I came to the conclusion in the end that yes, it had. That I reasonably believed because he Joel's been getting progressively more violent as the series went on. I think the thing that was holding me back is that his attitudes towards violence and you know protecting Ellie's innocence in a way were were much stronger at the beginning of the of the show. So I did kind of I I did wonder if this was too much of a leap. But 
thinking about the last couple of episodes and the kind of extremes that Joel has had to go through to, to stay alive, to keep Ellie alive, the bond that that he's created with her, the, the trauma that he's been through and the way that he's kind of substituting Ellie for his daughter. You know, he sees Ellie as his chance to save, you know, to, he, he sees an opportunity to save Ellie in the way that he wasn't able to do for Sarah. So those motivations all kind of did check out for me. I did think he was a little bit overpowered in that, in that montage, though. I was just thinking there were so many of them. It did, it did just kind of take me out of it a little bit. But I was back in it again with that final show off with with Marnie, which was just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, no, because you want him to do the right thing. He's the protagonist. He's the one we've been rooting for this whole time. This exact scenario is the thing that we've wanted. It's the beginning of the show and now to kind of see that it's it's all for nothing because of the main character. Um, I really liked the ending as an ending. I thought it was really clever. I thought it was emotional. I thought it packed the punch that things that have come before it, say, like Girl with All the Gifts and things, haven't. Um, I thought it was quite a smart twist on, on that kind of genre. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually intrigued to see how they're going to continue it because in a way I almost like the ending as it is. That's the interesting thing because a lot of people didn't expect Naughty Dog to the game developer to make a sequel to The Last of Us because I mean it was so rapturously received and it was so beloved that and it seemed like the the endings kind of actively resisted you know a sequel and I do think on its own you know it could just exist as it is and you know and not need any sort of expansion and then of course you know you get into the last of us part two and i think the last of us part two the game is a masterpiece and maybe the the single greatest video game i've I've ever played in my life and you know story and game and gameplay wise and just how those i think it's a work of art I, i can't say enough good things about it but a lot of people really really did not like the turn that the story takes and you know there's lots of heated debate online about you know the writers having messed up the game and but but for me playing the and i kind of went in sort of and was sort of hearing the online discourse as i was playing the game myself i think thematically every choice story choice made in the last of us part two checks out and for me, it, it's so it's so much more harrowing, and the way it examines cycles of violence and revenge, and you know, prejudice and discrimination in this apocalyptic scenario, and you know, and the, the need for compassion and empathy over hatred and perpetuating that cycle of violence. I think it's just it's an incredible feat of storytelling, and made all the more you know interesting by what I you know said earlier about. Uh, the fact that the way the detail in the game you know with the animations and the voice acting makes you feel bad about what you're doing there's kind of that that friction between you know the the need to progress in the game but also the the terrible nature of of the actions you're committing I kind of wonder how they're going to help that translate in part two because it's it's not nearly as big a part of the story in part one as it is in part two so I'm interested to see that 
it's a very, very long game. It's 26 hours, which is extremely long for a linear single-player game. Nor, you know, HBO have already said they're going to um, they're going to split it into multiple seasons, which I think makes sense because of you know the different sort of ep- ep- episodic flashback sections of part two do lend itself, I think, to multiple seasons of television. Um, yeah, I'm just really interested to see what they do with it and if they do decide to change any plot developments or or if they uh, how loyal they're going to remain to remain to the source material and also what you're going to think of it because it, it does take some it, it makes some bold story choices but i think they work then i like bold story choices in something like this because we've seen we've seen this story in about every other iteration that could possibly exist you know this whole like Apocalyptic, um, you know, post zombie apocalypse landscape with a, you know, a MacGuffin that you have to get from A to B. That's very, well, you know, it's maybe a little bit reductive to call Ellie a MacGuffin, but it kind of is, you know, plot wise what she is. Um, and we've seen, you know, this kind of story multiple times. So I'm actually really excited to see what the second series is going to bring. Um, because so far I've been, I've I've really liked misdirects and the the things that make the show different from other shows like Walking Dead. I think that that's what's special about it, and it keeps it engaging. I don't I don't know what's coming, and you know that's something that I can't usually say for other uh, shows of this of this genre. Just kind of doubling back. I know we've come, we've gone from the last episode and to episode three. Um, but you did ask me about the Bill and Frank episode. Of course. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's probably my favourite episode. I thought it was so good. Are they in the game? So Bill is in the game. He's You, you meet him in a town as you're sort of travelling you know, through from A to B in the game. And then you're, you, Joel has an argument with Bill. And then you see Frank has hung himself from a ceiling and Bill is quite visibly distressed by this and the the implication when you know Bill cuts him down and explains oh well you know he, I knew him he was a great friend of mine and is very visibly you know cut up by it emotionally the implication is, is that they shared a deeper connection so I mean obviously what the what the show then does is is that it sort of restructures that and shows them as you know having a more consistent you know um, longer-standing cooperative relationship be- between Joel and Tess and Bill and Frank, and that romance that they have—that's hinted at in the game—is you know very, very fleshed out in the show. And I thought it was a really wonderful expansion. You know, it's it, it's the kind of expansion that you know still has its feet in an element of uh, a part of the story in the game, but in the interest of you know developing that theme of you know that there still being hope there's still being you know opportunities for kindness and generosity even in this really dour hopeless apocalyptic scenario i thought it was great and of course it it smartly restructured into you know facilitating that that story need for the car and the, the ammo and the weaponry that joel and ellie then take on to the future events in the story yeah i just, I just thought it was a really that to me is the most impressive feat of adaptation in the entire season. The fact that you know you had essentially this standalone episode that 
made you know restructured you know quite a significant you know portion of the game but did so in a way that absolutely worked for the series and delivered sort of a different different message and also delivered great lgbtq plus representation and um and also showed that there is an opportunity for people to live a fulfilling life and also die on their own terms that you know in the way that bill and frank did yeah, it it really cut me up. It was it was a very emotional episode, and that was the point where I realised, oh, this isn't just a zombie show. This is a, a show about humanity and and people. And I really, I wasn't expecting to cut away from the main characters so soon. But I just thought that the writing and the storytelling and the performances were just so fantastic that you get drawn into these, you know, this side story, essentially. You get really drawn in and the world is so much richer because of it. So, yeah, fantastic episode. Really, really enjoyed it. 